All right, we're with our favorite child psychologist, Katiana Azman, uh, on growing pains this morning. And today we're talking about dealing with body dysmorphia or body image issues in our children. Now, uh, Katiana, maybe before we start, you can explain what um, body dysmorphia is. So body dysmorphia is basically a distorted pattern of thinking, which is why it falls under the category of a mental illness. Mm. So people with body dysmorphia generally have a very different image in their head of what they look like physically. So you could look in a mirror and you could see that the person, you know, most commonly with women, um, they look maybe this big in the mirror, but in their head, the way that their brain processes it, they're probably about two times larger. So it's a distortion with regards to how they see themselves physically. It doesn't just restrict to, or it's not just confined to physical, um, to weight, mm-hmm. uh, which is a common misconception. A lot of people think that it's about, oh, I feel like I'm overweight or I'm too skinny or so on and so forth. It also happens with regards to a fixation to a particular area of their body. So some individuals report they feel that their nose is crooked some people will report they feel that their legs are too skinny so it could also mean a fixation on a particular part of their body um and this is way more extreme than what we i think all women have a certain you know connection to this because it's like oh i don't feel like i'm the right size i'm the right weight but this but body dysmorphia is more significant than that to the point where people become very anxious about the idea of being out in public because they feel that they're so unattractive or they're so um, disfigured mm. as a result of their body. Okay. Yeah. But not all tweens or teens go through body mis- dysmorphia, but majority of them go through some kind of body image issues. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's just part of their 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 development, and also the fact that they are uh, in an age where most of their uh, most of their peers are going through it as well. So, there's a lot of conversation about wanting to compete um, with regards to how they look. For girls, it's about looking a particular size. For boys, it's about being fit and having abs. Um, so, it is something that does uh, that. It's more commonly discussed, I think, sort of physicality with regards to teenagers and tweens, um, but not every teenager or every tween will develop body dysmorphia. Okay. Now, now, what are the telltale signs that we look out for in our children, though, when they are suffering from s- certain body image issues? Mm, so, of course, like, like that word earlier, fixation, right? So, if you're having a young child or if you have a teenager, you know, in your care who seems to be just very obsessed over um, a particular thing with regards to their body, so whether it's weight, whether it's, again, sort of one part of their body, um, the way that they look, they're often making comments about how unattractive they find themselves or how they don't like, you know, this particular part of their body. Um, they try really hard to cover it up. So, with girls or, you know, even boys, you might see them dress in baggier clothes or they'll kind of like put a lot of effort towards how they look to make sure that they can mask mm. that part of their body or that area that they don't like. Um, and, you know, in its, in its extreme form, and this is actually one of the criteria for diagnoses, is if they're starting to avoid social interaction as a byproduct of this. So if they're starting to not want to go to school, not want to hang out with their friends because they feel so self-conscious, those are really um, sort of red red flags um, for, for body dysmorphia. But if that's like a red flag, that's pretty... Pretty late already. Would the earlier signs be 
I they're looking at a magazines and they they love a certain particular actor or actress mm. who only mm. looks a certain way that's mm. super stick thin maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like that's that's it's what's it gets kind of tricky because I feel that every teenager or every you know will kind of say like there's a particular um, role model that they would like to follow or they will kind of make sort of off the hand comments about that. Oh, you know, I don't like how I look in this. I don't like you know that you know my thighs are chubby. There will be these comments that I think are very common, um, and so you know I don't want to alarm parents and make them go, oh my gosh, I need to start panicking mm-hmm. if my child is saying this. But definitely. If you're seeing them become quite obsessed with regards to um, a particular sort of image, and I've had certain cases where, um, especially with social media, I've had a certain cases where teenagers were very obsessed with regards to some, you know, Instagram influencers who were, you know, very fitness oriented, um, and so they kind of kept saying like, "Oh, you know, she did that, so I must do this." There's a sort of like an obsession. Then that's probably an earlier sign. Um, but you know, I tell parents if your kid is kind of making these comments. Try not to jump on them immediately if they're kind of making comments about how they look and how they don't like how they look. It is quite normal, but just kind of keep an eye out and try to start a conversation about it with them, just to give you a bit more of an understanding over whether it's a concern or not. Okay, but does body image issue tend to lead to something a little bit more sinister, like eating disorders in in the yeah. future? Yes, unfortunately, body dysmorphia is one of the leading contributors to uh, eating disorders, so anorexia and bulimia. Um, there's also some connection with um, body dysmorphia and you know things like anxiety and depression because they're so uncomfortable in their own skin. It develops into a mood disorder. So it might start as something that a lot of people tend to brush off, um, and actually, it, it's it's something that happens with both men and women, so mm-hmm. with both boys and girls. But I think that prevalence-wise, we see more girls coming forward because boys are a lot better at masking it. So if your teenage boy decided that he wanted to work out a lot and go to the gym five six hours a day, parents are a lot less likely to. Con- Consider that an issue. They will kind of go like, "Oh, well, he's just being a boy," you know. But there could be some underlying body dysmorphia, which is making him feel that he has to keep up to that level, right? So I think that it's because of that that we have to be kind of careful because there is a lot of link with other mental illnesses. Yeah. But how does bulking up, like like putting on muscle? I don't think that's for me personally. Mm. I don't think that's as big an issue as mm. cutting off whatever you're trying to eat. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's more dangerous to your body, isn't it? Yep. I mean, of course, there is. If you're restricting food, so if we're looking at eating disorders, yes, it is an it is a more imminent danger because you can have physical complications as a byproduct of eating disorders. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the individuals who oh, ignore that fluffy cat that jumped <laughs> in the background. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so um, there have been a lot of uh, unfortunately cases that I've worked on where the children have had to be admitted as a byproduct of a lot of medical complications due to eating disorders. So absolutely, those eating disorders, um, eating disorders do have a more imminent danger. However, in in extreme cases of sort of bulking up, you do see young children looking down the route of things like um, you know performance enhancing drugs oh, okay. and stuff like that because they feel that they have to get bigger and bigger, and then also about the physical toll that those actions take on their body. Um, so that's the type of thing that you know. That's why for boys, we don't oh. see it as often unless they're coming forward with an eating disorder themselves, which can happen with boys. Boys can develop eating disorders so 
it is something that I feel is more obvious in girls um, because if girls are talking about it, I think also just awareness. We are often a lot more aware of kids if girls are commenting about their weight and things like that. But I feel that boys kind of get overlooked a little bit in yeah. this area. So what is the right way? Is there a right way for us to approach this subject with our children if we see something that's not really right? Generally, I encourage parents to have as much body sort of body image positivity as possible. Um, one of the things that I do find really troubling about Asian households, and I take this from like a personal thing as well, is how easily family members will comment on someone's weight or a child. Oh, exactly. And oh, how much they will praise someone. Oh, you've yeah. lost weight, right? Oh, but no. you've never praised someone when they've put on weight. Yeah, and everyone's <laughs> like, hey, put on weight already. Uh. Like, oh. Yeah, and it's so easy for them to be like, yeah, you put, you put on a few pounds. Uh. Yeah. So it's something that is, I think, just so much more common in our culture. Um, and so that is stuff that I try really hard to encourage parents to stay away from. Try to stop looking at um, the physicality of things, right? I always tell my young kids or my teenagers who come in with body image issues, I tell them like, you know, it's tell me what you see, right? Because obviously, like for me, I might see a completely beautiful, healthy young individual, but then in their head, it's obviously the other way around. So I'm a big fan of getting them to bring in pictures or graph, like, you know, images of what they see in their head. Right, so that that way you get a really good idea of whether it's a distortion or whether it's just kind of like oh, I don't really like this about myself. Mm. So if you do have a young individual, if you have a teenager who you suspect or you have concerns about, then the first thing that you want to kind of note, um, be very uh, gentle with how you start the conversation. So don't say like, "Hey, you know, like why do you do this?" And don't be so rep, don't reprimand. Um, try to be like, you know, I've noticed that you're kind of eating a lot less than usual. Is everything okay? So try to make it sort of very conversational. This applies across the board with anything to do with mental illnesses, really. Mm. Um, but try to not tell them what to do, which is also another thing I find that adults sometimes do. You should eat more. You should do this. You should stop doing this. Try to kind of change that to kind of ask them instead. Why is it that their eating habits have changed? For example, um, you know why? You know why your why your clothes? Why are you dressing? You know, a couple of sizes too big. You know, I think you could wear a size that's two sizes smaller. Actually, you know, you could kind of make it just stuff like that to have them be aware that there is a distortion. And if they're saying things that, I mean sound like an alarm to you then that's probably a good idea where for you to kind of reach out and see if there's something you need to worry about now what can we do then to sort of motivate our children if it's not body dysmorphia uh, disorder mm-hmm. like what can we do to sort of motivate our child to love their own bodies right regardless of shape and size Mm. It is a very, very tricky thing because, of course, we can try to make the home environment as body positive as possible. You know, we can constantly sort of praise our kids for non-physical things like kindness and all of that to kind of make them feel like they're better regardless of, um, you know, how they look. But then we can't protect them from what's happening at school and what's happening on social media because these issues are super, super important. Um, in their sort of age group, right? So even if you're a teenager, and I actually had this conversation recently um, with one of my other clients who isn't so fixated on her body. She's actually quite okay with how she looks. But because everybody in her social circle is obsessed with it, she feels like she's kind of the odd one out if she's not thinking about dieting, if she's not thinking about... So sometimes there's also that peer pressure. So 
I would say the best you can do is to really try to keep a body positive environment. Don't kind of critique your child if they've put on a few pounds here and there. If your child has expressed an interest in working out or dieting, get involved so that you can be aware if it becomes sort of an extreme, right? Because if they're kind of dieting to the extreme, mm. then one of the things I, I encourage parents to do is to encourage them to work with a nutritionist. So things like, hey, so I'm noticing that you kind of want to eat healthier. That's a really good thing. But let's go speak to someone to make sure that we're doing it so that we're doing it in a healthy way. So we're not getting sick and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to panic, but just try to have these conversations so that you're doing it in a way that's healthy for the child. Because remember that teenagers and, and children still need a lot of the nutrients that are being cut off in these diets, right? Mm -hmm. Because their brain is still growing, their body's still growing. So they can't be going on these, you know, 700 calorie diets that they might find on the internet, right? So it's always good to get medical advice, but instead of kind of reprimanding them and getting them all scared, you can kind of offer that and say like, you know, hey, I've noticed you kind of want to do this. I think it'll be a good idea for us to do it together. Then that way we can keep each other motivated. Mm. Let's go to a dietitian and see if we can get some advice on how to do it healthy, right? So mm -hmm. stuff like that is really helpful. But at the same time, you know, if they are coming back and they're kind of discussing some things that are being discussed at school, same thing applies, get involved. You can't protect them from that. But have them talk about it with you. So, okay, so who's this influencer that you guys are all looking at? Can I see some of her pictures? I'm, you know, interested. Get involved because that's the only way that you can kind of keep an eye out for what's going on at school. Okay. At how, school. how important though, Katiana, how important a role uh, mm. does a parent play compared mm. to the peers in sort mm. of perpetuating this positive body image issues? Will they listen to parents or they, they prefer to listen to their peers, you know? Well, depending on how old they are, of course, the peer element has a lot more um, standing, right? Mm. So a child in sort of like upper primary, for example, would probably be less um, concerned with their friends as compared to if they're sort of 16, 17. So obviously, the role of friendships become more prevalent or more intense as they grow. But it is really, really important still for mom and dad to set the tone because no matter what, you are the adults that they do refer to. And if you are kind of making all these comments if you are kind of um you know uh setting the tone basically that it is okay to have this negative image if my mom and dad think that i'm so unattractive it's gonna be permission for me to think that even more so it's really important that yes we cannot protect them from what their friends are saying but we can, we still need to make sure that there is this environment at home for them so that if they are hearing negative comments, for example, at school, if their friends are teasing them, if we are if we've created an environment that's very supportive and very encouraging, they're going to be more likely to come to us and talk to us about how they feel. So it's, you know, either way, it's super important for parents to take on that role. I, I'm. I want to ask a personal question because okay. my daughter, she's mm. in rhythmic gymnastics, right? So mm -hmm. um, her coaches, they're very competitive and they yep. want their girls to look a certain way, you know? Yeah. And yeah. there was one time where the coach actually came to me and said that, you know, my daughter's hips are getting a slightly a bit wider and she's eight. Uh, yeah. And and I'm in, in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, I want her to do well in the sport, mm. uh, but... To the to what cost, you know? To w yeah, what yes. cost should I tell her that she should stop eating, you know, carbs at this mm -hmm. age? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, circumstances or other adults sort of mm -hmm. forces their body image uh, on, the on the child. 
yeah. so what can we do should we intervene mm. should we just not tell i mean should i not just not tell her <laughs> just leave it yeah. alone yeah yeah it is it is very very difficult because you know in those interactions oftentimes the pa- the teachers or these people these adults are not really thinking about things like oh how will this child take it on because i'm saying it from an adult perspective i'm able to rationalize and reason that oh you know for the purpose of the image of the team and all that like you might have your reasons but when you are giving this type of comment to a young child who you know I I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this in our other talks before about how you know the development of the brain they're not going to be able to understand that reasoning right so I think that if you have somebody who is portraying or projecting this type of image onto your young child i would definitely want to intervene um i you know but how much you intervene depends on the degree of the type of interaction their child is having so if your child is really keen on staying on with this team then i would probably start with your daughter and just be like you know if she's hearing about it if the teachers if she's heard the comments that the teachers have made then kind of go yeah you know i know that the teacher has kind of said that right but the reason why the teacher said that is because that sometimes it might be uh it might make the uh it difficult for the girl to do the acts that they want to do but do you have that problem no right so i think that's perfectly okay so you kind of want to um address it with your child first but if they are being really pushy and i I did 10 years of ballet. I know all about this culture of needing to stay small. Um and my I'm sorry, I did not grow up to be tiny, right? I grew up to be a little bit more curvy. Um and it was a lot and when I was, you know, 14, 12, 13, 14, it became really really difficult to exist in that environment because I was constantly getting mm. teachers, other students telling me that I was flat out fat. right um and it was and and ultimately that le- that led me to to quitting which was really unfortunate cuz i spent so much time on there but if you're getting it so consistently then you should you should intervene right and you know have a conversation with them say look you know i understand that you know it's it's preferred if the girls are really small but i'm concerned about the fact that she's only 8 and i do not want her to develop any food aversions at this point in time so if her body image currently or if her body shape currently is not impacting upon her ability to be a good gymnast then i kind of like for us to to table that conversation yeah. but it is difficult because i know for a fact that adults don't think about it because from them for their perspective it's not a big deal why yeah. you, know, you just lose the weight lah you know but yeah but children- they're only eight they're growing and every yeah. child has a different body shape it's not like exactly. yeah you can't yeah. fit the child into the sport just based on body shape Exactly, right? And yeah. at the same time, like, you know, we can't we can't control how their body grows and once she hits puberty, her body's going to do even more changing. So, you know, we want to limit how much our children dislike how they look, right? Because there have been very extreme cases of body dysmorphia, for example, where um, you know, young women are going into surgery after surgery after surgery to try to alter the way their body looks based on a particular kind of image that they mm. need to have. And we kind of want to limit that as much as possible from as early an age, so. Actually on that, mm. if and it's, let's say it's not your kid, if you see someone, if you see a family who's mm. who's let's say the mom mm. has issues who always wants to have surgery after surgery after surgery to look great or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then you see that her child 
mm. is going through something similar, mm. should you say something to that family and say because you're influencing your child? I, you know, I, I, I hate to admit this, but there have been a lot of times where, and if anyone knows me personally, will know, I have this strong urge to just casually pass my business card to a lot of parents that I see doing things out in public, you know, um, and you know, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of parents kind of like, you know, at restaurants reprimanding their daughters, like, do you really want to have that? Do you really want to have dessert? You should really, you know, cut down, and it breaks my heart because I just want to go there and give their daughter a hug, right? Um. But in this particular case, like yeah, I I would if I know someone personally who's doing this, um, and I'm seeing the daughter start commenting about how she looks, I would I would usually be the one to say something like you know yeah I kind of get why you're doing it because you might be older and you might have different you know um, whatever mindset, um, but just kind of keep an eye out for kind of what your the image you're projecting or the or the message you're projecting to your child right that there's a lot that you shouldn't like about yourself. So I would I would say something that's just that's just me but sometimes it can be a very sensitive mm. uh, topic um, and in fact I do have a lot of um, young women who I'm seeing who I know mom is at home kind of sending the message like oh you should stop eating this you should lose weight and then they come to me for sessions and I do all that I can to kind of work on that during the session and then they go home and I know that yeah, that's a bit reversed yeah. right yeah because they're in the environment right so it's really tricky. So times like that, we really have to sit down, mom and dad down, and just be like, "Look, you know, I can help your daughter in the one hour that I see her, but if I'm sending her back to this environment, you're just undoing everything. So your daughter's progress really depends on what you're doing at home, right? So you kind of have to have that chat. But it is a very, very sensitive topic. I mm. feel now in yeah. your experience, Katiana, if this was all left unchecked. For example, we just ignore all the signs. We just yeah. we just take it as it's normal for them to grow up and have some some kind of body issue. How yes. bad can it get? I mean, definitely we're dealing with the very high risk of the development of anorexia, bulimia, um, anxiety, depression. So all of the stuff I mentioned earlier, there's an extremely high risk of that stuff happening. I have had cases where as a byproduct of you know, not having it sorted out, these these teenagers started self-harming. Um, so because they felt like they hated how they looked, they just were punishing themselves through self-harm. Um, so, you know, the, the prognosis has not, in my experience, been very good. Um, if there is very clear signs that there is body dysmorphia or at least a very distorted sense of body image, um, it, it doesn't usually work out very well. It's not something that, and I, and I actually double checked this before our chat today, body dysmorphia is not something that goes away on its own. So I was trying to see whether it was something that historically has a tendency to just kids kind of outgrow. Mm. Um, and all the research we have currently says that if it is body dysmorphia, if it meets all the criteria, it's not something that goes away or they outgrow. They need intervention. They need therapy. Um, at my hospital, we kind of have like a like a team that works with it. So if I have a young child that comes in with any eating disorders or any uh, body dysmorphia uh, symptoms, we get pediatrics involved, we get nutrition involved, we get sort of everybody under the sun who can support this child. Um, and we usually try very hard to, to help them based on their level. So even though, you know, mom and dad 
cat. It's Even all right. <laughs> you like the guest star. Yeah, whenever I'm doing like calls like this, she's always like, I just want to see what you're doing. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it is something that we take very seriously um, in the clinical setting because we know that it has so much potential to develop into something more severe. Um, so so yeah, definitely something that I would I would act on if I found if I found out. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything though that parents can sort of help with especially mm-hmm. if the child is already deep into this body mm-hmm. image issue mm-hmm. always be on their team even though you might not agree with what is happening right you need to be on their team not encourage them right but to be on their team in the sense where they need to know that you're on their side because the only way to really get control of body dysmorphia is to be able to know what their what your child is seeing because we can't see it right unlike for example like self-harm where we can see the scars on the outside and know okay she's had a bad episode with body dysmorphia we're dealing with an enemy that we can't see right it's an image in their head it's a narrative in their head that they can't really run from and so you need to be able to be um as open with your child as possible so that you can get direct insight into what's going on with them mm. um you might not be able to fix it right which is something that parents sometimes feel they need to do you can't force your child to eat that's going to make them even more phobic of eating if they're restricting food so be on their side so that whenever they feel overwhelmed you're going to be the one that they come to and say you know i feel really uncomfortable today why do you feel uncomfortable today well you know i went to school and my friend lost she was telling me that she lost 5 pounds and it made me feel really crappy about myself right example right and that could be the moment where you go okay well why did it make you feel crappy that she lost 5 pounds you know have these conversations with your kids so that they know that it's not something that they should be um afraid of or avoid mm. that there is a solution that can be had so that's what i tell parents often is that you might not be as active a role as eventually the doctors or the psychologists and all that but being able to have these conversations with your kids you're probably doing more in the long term than any of us so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think a lot of parents like you said trying they're trying to fix it themselves yeah. you know they're trying to give them answers yeah. where where they don't even understand how it come like how to fix it Mm. Yeah. But that's a, I, I feel like that's a very normal parental instinct <laughs> wanting to fix it when your child is hurting, right? Yeah. Um you know, I mean, I don't have any kids of my own, but I have like my 200 over clients that I see and I want to fix all their problems. Yeah. I think it's a very common thing, but sometimes if you are um you know, if you don't know how to fix it, right? Because you don't have the skills, there are resources available to you, but your role as being a listener and a cheerleader and being supportive is so much more important than anything that we can do sometimes yeah 